When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Not a single soul may leave this place. It is forbidden by him. I am so sick of it. I will reclaim my rightful place in paradise. My path will be paved with the sins of man, and yours, Dante, shall be the bedrock of my return. And all that is good shall be gone from the universe forever! I'm gonna have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. Welcome to the Cobras and Fire Podcast. In honor of the creepiest, evilest month of the year, we bring to you three hits from hell. Over the next three weeks, we are going to break down three of the evilest, creepiest albums out there. And we brought on a special guest for this, too. That's right. Gene Vogel from the Disciples of the Watch podcast and the band Mortificator. Now... Turn the lights off, if you dare. Welcome to Cobras and Fire. My name is Baco, and I am joined by the freezer-burned Loose Cannon. How are you doing this evening, Loose? I am excellent. Thank you for asking. Right before we get into the theme of today's program, and the month, hmm. that uh, may I have the floor, please? Sure. Yeah, I think I know where you're going with this, but uh, let's hear what you have to say. Sure. So, um, you know, I, I just wanted to, you know, we we have definitely got a lot of new listeners lately, and maybe some of them are unfamiliar with kind of the, the scope of the show. So I would like to summarize the mission statement of, of Cobras and Fire. We are a comedy rock talk show that proves that rock is not dead, and we make fun of what we love. Uh, recently... Uh, we completely roasted a fellow podcaster and friend of the show, <laughs> Craig Smith, in a way that possibly is not ever, possibly the most brutal roast we've ever <laughs> we've ever done. But again, I want to say that we gave him are, back a little bit of what he's. You know, I, I should say this: what he's given you, you've largely been the target. <laughs> oh, yes. I think I've now opened myself to a little shit, but uh, that's okay. Yeah, right. But it's but 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 again, uh, if you've heard the last episode, you might be like, "Who are these guys? How are they roasting this guy? And and how is this uh, cool that they're doing this?" Well, just so you know, from 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 again, we make fun of what we love. So I'm not even going to go to the Craig Smith thing. But over the years, we have roasted many of the artists that we are passionate about. Um, we can give examples of things like like Jeff Tate and Eddie Trunk, who end up being interviews interviewees 
of uh, of our show. Mm-hmm. So that is 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 always be uh, will always be uh, the theme of our show. We are not uh, two two basically bag of dicks. Okay, we are not. Uh, well, maybe we are half bag. But the point is, is that all the people that we make fun of on the show are people that we would gladly have on the show, with the exception of anything to do with coins and Canadian fonts. <laughs> not not then because we're being mean and we don't care, right? But uh, but with that too, it's not because we wouldn't have them on the show. They can be on there, but we feel they would be boring and uh, it wouldn't be a good interview. Yeah, because we did get a comment. Uh, it was only it was a single comment, and I'm pretty sure it's someone who's a first time listener because I'm pretty sure people who have paid attention to our show and listened to Pods and Sods. We've had clips of their show ripping us on our on on quite a well again, ripping you typically. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably going to change, um, but uh, which which is all good. But the, the point being is that I think people who listen to the show under got the joke. Of course they did. Yeah, we ran it by Craig. Craig picked the song that we played right after that. He knew it was coming before it came out. Uh, but again, I think we're probably just explain it to people who probably never heard the show before then. And but welcome, everybody's welcome. Yeah, welcome anybody that's that's coming on, and uh, just want to break that down. And, and again, and now that we know uh, your butt hurt, you're a target. Just <laughs> <laughs> Not true. Not true no, at all. No, actually. just kidding. We welcome uh, everybody. Listen to the show, and uh, I'll, I'll pass it back to you. Well, today we have the first of a three-part installment that we're going to call Three Hits from Hell. Uh, like, oh, as, yeah. as, uh, you and I are both big fans of Halloween in the whole month of October. And, but uh, last year we had on a, a guest uh, d- uh, from the Disciples of the Watch uh, podcast, Gene Vogel, and we did like a whole three-part anth- anthology kind of series on Black Sabbath that... Uh, I don't know. It was a lot of fun. It seemed to go over pretty good. So why not bring him back, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, for, we're, we're, I'm looking forward to, for, to a sophomore slump. <laughs> Sorry. With that, we have Gene Vogel from the <laughs> Disciples of the Watch podcast with us. Gene, welcome to the program. Ah, thanks, guys. It's fabulous to be here again. Uh, you, are you uh, done listening to Mom and Dad fight uh, for, I don't know, it's uh, going on nine minutes now. It's been awesome. It's yeah. been uh, the curtain's been pulled back. I see the uh, the puppet master here. I was too worried that just the the basement wasn't creeping you out enough. So I'm just trying to get you in the right mood for the the, the podcast here. Well, yeah, if I can put my pants back on, that would help. Yeah, I was just I was gonna say, did you notice when you uh, moved back the curtain that none of us were were wearing pants? So that's, that's okay. <laughs> that's actually all Baco greeting me at the door. So that's became aware. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, the, the, the police will probably be here soon. So, yeah. Did you notice that the basement completely resembles a rape factory? <laughs> I, it felt familiar. Yeah, yeah. Hey, whoa! <laughs> hey now. All right. Well, on that positive note, um, let's uh, get into what we're talking about today. So basically, what we're going to do uh, is we're going to call, like I said, we're calling it Three Hits from Hell. I took that from the Misfits. Sure. Uh, but we're going to do three episodes of uh, kind of spooky, creepy records. I don't know. I guess, should we just kick it to Gene? He adds on, or is he's got the first pick? Yeah, I think we should. Well, the first pick was, uh, this is an album that, um, actually, I'll go back a little bit. The band itself, I found one of their earlier releases at a used record store. Well, it was new and used, I guess, but I guess I was there to save a few bucks and buy used. So I ended up finding this album, and I really dug it. And then many years later, I was at a different record store, and I found this particular album, and I thought, well, hey, I really like the one that I own, so I'm going to buy this one. And that is Iced Earth Burnt Offerings. And 
for me, getting this album, I realized, wow, this is way different. Or I shouldn't say way different, but it's there's a darkness here. And I actually initially didn't like the album. And it took a while before I realized, wow, I really love this album. So that was one for me when you guys approached me to, to do this three-part mm-hmm. series. I just thought, what's the album that for me just was kind of spooky and scary and weird? It doesn't feel that way so much now because maybe I'm older and... You know, maybe it's because I've lived so much with the album that doesn't. But there, there's still some really cool dark elements to it that I really enjoy. So I'm hoping, that, you know, maybe you guys or your listeners will enjoy it as well. Cool. Um, for me, Iced Earth has always been kind of a, a hot topic, blabbermouth kind of band where it's like I saw their T-shirts and they're always like almost a monarch moth was uh, at one point where I'm just like I have no idea who this is, but they're constantly showing up with headlines. Uh, and this is honestly, this is my first listen. So uh, I'll save too much of my uh, critiquing of the record for the actual record. But I am coming in a virgin, loose. Yeah, I'm. I'm um, I'll tell you, my history with Iced Earth is uh, a Wednesday this week, <laughs> and um, and on, on that day, if I can recall, um, what I realized is, is looking at the that these guys. And, and my recollection is kind of fuzzy, but in the late nineties, for whatever reason, I remember seeing them play a lot in the Chicago area, which, um, and, and then I looked in that like Florida man, you know, the, 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 the fav- famous Florida man, this is actually a Florida band, which is actually very rare too. There's not too many bands out of Florida that make it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I'm familiar, just kind of like Baco. I was always familiar with the name. Um, I knew that they, uh, had a ton of, of, of albums as well and i also know that they had a pretty big cult or hardcore following and i guess um that is uh as i understand it's gene vogel and two guys from nebraska oh you know those guys <laughs> i do sweet tell them i said hi uh... yeah so so I'm, I'm looking forward to this uh this album that i believe charted at uh, a 585 and um um it, it's peak position back in uh in 2000 uh, what is it 1995 95 yes no, but in all in all seriousness, uh, please br- bring us in. So let's get into some notes. You have some, you, why don't you, uh, Gene? Why don't you give us the facts on this record? The facts. Well, it was released in, like we said before, nineteen ninety five. That was what uh, was the release date? April eighteenth. Oh, that's my birthday. Oh, there you go. Hmm. Amazing, amazing. So we got Matthew Barlow on lead vocals, John Schaefer. Rhythm guitar, lead vocals. John Schaefer, if I uh, did my research uh, today right, the one constant in this band. Correct. Okay. Yeah, he's basically the Dave Mustaine of Iced Earth. Okay. Right. He's he's also, the, as I understand, the uh, leader of the most dangerous band on, on the David Letterman show. Is that correct? That's his brother, Paul. Okay. Continue, oh, please. okay. Good, good note. <laughs> and that is the first swing and a miss from tonight. There'll be plenty. I like that Go joke. Ahead. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, that worked. <laughs> I just like the awkward silence after. Oh, I love it. It was awesome. All right, moving forward, we got Dave Abel on bass, Randall Shaver, Shaver on lead guitar, and then Rodney Beasley on drums. These are all household names, I'm sure. Yeah. In the Colorado. Comes oh. in at a uh, whopping 52 minutes and 39 seconds. That's pretty long for eight tones. I don't think Luce is going to enjoy that. (laughs) And Luce, would you like to take a guess at who produced this record? I believe it was Bo Hill. (laughs) It does have that that classic Bo Hill sound, doesn't it? It does. It reminds me a lot of Cherry Pie and uh, um, every single rap album. But go ahead. Did he actually produce Cherry Pie? I had no idea. 
You did. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take your word for it because I don't care. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was produced by Tom Morris, a bit of a legend in, uh, in, in Florida metal. He runs a studio called Morris Sounds. So, um, and, and, of course, uh, the aforementioned guitar player, John Schaefer. Yes. And it's not too hard to be a legend in Florida, just so you know. <laughs> He's also, I'm not sure if you know this, but he also has a cat named Morris. <laughs> Man, you were just you got you got the sharp ones tonight. Nine lives, bitch. <laughs> That's more lives than your jokes have. <laughs> That's right. Go ahead. I think it's exactly nine more lives than your jokes have. <laughs> <laughs> that cat was dead on arrival. Go ahead. Oh, what about the album cover? We should talk a little bit on that. Sure. There, it's actually it's a recycled piece of art. It's um, mm. do you uh, you know I um, I don't know the history on it. Why was this not called Green Offerings? Then? <laughs> <laughs> the silence. I think Cardi B is going to be on this episode a lot. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> oh, you got it on your oh. on your print out there. What am I looking for? It's it should be up in the top. There's a there talk about the artwork. Can I can I can I take a stab where it was recycled from? Is it as good as your last joke? <laughs> it is. I think this was re- they, this was this redemption from time, Luz. Go for it. <laughs> this is the re- rejected album cover for Black Sabbath's Born Again. <laughs> rejected. Uh, this is an improvement. Wow, okay. zing. Go well, ahead. Well, well, I, Gene's I like- looking up that that history of the album. I actually like it. It's it's Satan kind of sitting around. You know, it almost looks like Satan's bored. And uh, he might actually be on on the throne, if you know what I mean. But uh, I don't know what Satan Ooh. taking a poop looks like. But this is what I would. This is pretty close. I think Satan taking a poop would be a great album title. What do you think? <laughs> Satan Dukes. <laughs> but please, uh, any other facts, Gene, about the album cover besides it's recycled? Uh, it was rejected many times before they accepted it. God damn it! I can't find it. I had a. I know I read something on it too, but I didn't. Oh, the original album cover art was a painting by Gustav Dore Good. of Lucifer from the Divine Comedy. There it is. It was on Wikipedia, That's right? not. That sounds like almost as good as my jokes. <laughs> I guess we're leaving that in. All right. Uh, so, yeah, Iced Earth. Uh, we got a couple Iced Earth virgins. You're the, uh, you're the experienced uh, role model here. Tell us, how to, <laughs> tell us how to get in with Iced Earth. Please. <laughs> I, wow, I don't know how to approach that one at all. <laughs> how you get in is you basically just grab an album and go. And now for me, I would say grab something early. And uh, this is Hold early, on tight. And you, and you hold yeah. on tight. Yeah. But this is the first one. Is this their first? Is this their debut? Or no? No, no it is not. It's their third, right? This is their third. Third, yes, okay. yes. First with Matthew Barlow on vocals, though. Mm. And uh, he, The Matthew Barlow of Barlow Grocery in Rochester? No. See, I can't put the dead silence after. Uh, <laughs> you can if you try. Yeah. So this is this is kind of like for Iced Earth. This is essentially their their Bruce Dickinson. After two albums in, they flip the switch, and it's just nothing but fame after that. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they okay. they did do a stint with Ripper, uh, Tim Ripper was really? in the band. Yes. Okay. And that was, I think, post Yingve, if my history is correct. That was actually, uh, the, according to uh, Wikipedia, which is always reliable. Uh, mm-hmm. It was uh, he actually recorded the vote. The first record he recorded vocals on 
Um, he was still in Priest. He had just kind of almost done it like as a, as, as a side deal. But then that was at the same time that Halford eventually came back, and so he just joined Iced Earth right uh-huh. after Priest. Now, was this was this pre or post uh, Monster Energy Drink uh, dressed uh, Rip Rowans? Pre. But it was post-coitus. <laughs> <laughs> See, we nailed it that time. Yeah, I know. Oh my God, I gotta tell you, this this is definitely. Uh, I think we should have a little ding of how many ba- <laughs> how many bombs of jokes. Yeah. Uh, uh, See, I, please, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I've loved every joke so far. <laughs> okay, but Gene, let's let's go back to you. Uh, please, can you have the floor? Uh, we will let you speak without being interrupted for at least thirty seconds. Please continue. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta get a clock started. Where where are we going from this point? Yeah, whatever you want, man. Uh, what else you got on Nice Earth? The, uh, educate the masses. We have a huge audience, and they've never listened to Ice Earth. Yes. Do you have any idea? We have been waiting for four years to break into the <laughs> Ice Earth n- niche. Now you understand this? Yeah, this is gonna... we're, bringing in, we're bringing in the Ice Earth podcast fans. It's like, oh, finally, an episode on burnt offerings. Well, they get those two guys from Nebraska. So. All right, yeah. There's two more downloads. These... Oh, God. <laughs> um, it's this. Can you imagine if we we follow up Iced Earth with Return to Bruno? Oh man! Uh, what? Well, who says we're not going to? Oh, that is true. That is that is uh, definitely a Halloween-ish uh, terrifying album. That is the great unknown. Uh, continue, please. You are. Uh, um, can, can I ask you a question, Gene? Maybe absolutely. You, or do, uh, okay. So, do you think it's odd that a band called Iced Earth? Um, is called has a title called burnt offerings. Shouldn't they be a more cold offering? I mean, burnt seems like it would actually destroy their entire uh, you know purpose. Freezer burnt. Yeah, there's yeah exact. You are the freezer burnt loose cannon for yeah. a reason. You are yeah, a burnt then, offering. But, but but like the cover is hell. You know, basically the devil. That's in hell. There's no ice there. I mean, it's it's, it's very confusing. Well, yeah, the, there is because the Eagles reunited. Hell froze over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ding! He has uh, the best joke that so far. Be the worst joke yet. Uh, I know. I think it's the best, best. one. It's the best on. and the worst. The best and the worst. You win the prize on that one, Gene. Thank you. Oh, the man. night is young. Yes. But should we actually talk about the music or never go there? Come on. I was trying to delay that as long as I could for your benefit. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. But um, yeah, Wait, so- uh, I'm not sure if uh, you know. Um, I guess my question too, like when you got into burnt offerings, did you, you know, gobble up the catalog? Did you go forward? Have you seen these guys live? Um, are they actually, better than Overkill? Actually, you, you talked a little bit on that before we got going here. I thought it was actually a pretty good story. Tell us. Yeah, please. To recap, I went. I, I picked up their second album, Night of the Storm Rider, and bought it used at the the, the local CD store. They sold new and used. I picked up used. They just um, Have you ever bought anything out? new? There seems to be a theme here so far from your stories. Yes. So listen to it. I sampled it at this store because they had the CD player with the headphones, you know, the janky headphones with the, you know, the weird yeah, squishy, yeah. you know, you shouldn't put those on your head type <laughs> headphones. Bacteria lady. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Very you get bacteria. an ear infection uh, from hanging on <laughs> FYE too long. Yep. And, and once I recovered from that, I decided, you know, I need more iced earth. 
Uh, actually, no, this is many years later that um, I actually stumbled across this uh, across this album. It's actually uh, this one here that is in front of Baco and I, the CD. That is the CD that I purchased uh, roughly in 1996 or so. Uh, it might have been 95, but I'm feeling like it was 96. You might uh, want to have that bronzed like uh, kid shoes. Mm, yeah. Well, actually, it's... It, I don't know if it's, I guess it's a collector's item is a reach, but it's the non remastered version. You know, in 96, I drank a ton of Molson ice, kind of the same thing. Well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how come not, how come iced earth has not done a collaboration with natural light ice? Oh man. Natural light iced earth. What say you? <laughs> uh, I was uh, at Total Wine today. I saw a couple bros walk out with uh, two uh, grocery carts overloaded with uh, cases of Natty Ice Light and two six-packs of White Claw. Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws, baby. Somebody's getting punched and somebody's uh, a douche in that. <laughs> There's six women coming to their party tonight. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, anyway, there's a tangent. All right, let's let's continue on. So you listened to you had you uh, you listened to him at the store. You had the headphones on. Use the Q-tips um, afterwards to get the the filth out of your ears. Many years later, I would stumble across this album and uh, big gap between the second and third record, right? Yes. Yeah. So, and and a vocal lead vocalist change, of course, yeah. as well. Sure. Sure. And. Just on a whim, I thought, well, I really love that last album, so I'm going to pick this up. And I knew they were kind of dark, you know, a little bit of, you know, they're anti-church in a lot of their lyrics. So I thought, well, you know, I can deal with that. That's interesting. And sometimes, you know, if it's done well, it can be pretty interesting. And uh, I picked this up and I brought it home and immediately I started listening to this and just feeling like, wow, this is really dark and ominous. And, and it, it feels even more, not satanic but just really crushing the going after the church and stuff. And just, I don't know, just there's a vibe that's, that was in there that made me not want to listen to it. And I think I may have even set it aside for about a year and then picked it up later on at some point and gave it another try. And all of a sudden everything was just like, wow, this is actually a really good album. There's, there's so many layers to it. Lots of uh, great vocal work on here, great guitar work. Mm -hmm. And it just clicked. So you're saying that that essentially that this album um, actually you felt like it was actually evil, like you shouldn't be listening to it, sort of, right? No, I don't. I don't know if I go that far, but yeah, it had a it had a dark kind of. Uh, well, like like a Sabbath, like you know, you're younger, you're realizing this is something that's a little dangerous. Yeah, I remember that I was like 13 when I heard the the, the song Black Sabbath, and well, and that scared the shit out of me. Um, and but, that was a good point. And that's a good point. But see, the thing is, is I wasn't young when I got this. Where, yeah, sure. I can see that with Black Sabbath. I mean, sure. we, we remember seeing the thriller but it, video. But, but that's what I thought was fascinating when you told me earlier that like, you were actually off put a little bit. And which, to be honest, Gene made sense. The first time I saw Mortificator, I was like, this seems like a guy who like doesn't want things too heavy or too dark. <laughs> he, he likes to keep his beard groomed. Uh, yes. And uh, don't attack the church. No. Yeah, exactly. Love it, everyone. A, yeah. That's how, like Cobras and Fire, I love everyone as well. All right. Right on. Sure. Anyway, but uh, but yeah, what, I don't know. We're, not, we're, we're, we're having a little fun with you, obviously, but uh, 
you were off put. You is you, you exactly what you were saying, right? Yeah, and I don't know if I've ever had an album since like you you're talking in the early days, like with a Black Sabbath or something like that, where I remember even Wasp being a dangerous band and now you look back at that and it's like, Oh my god, it's almost cartoonish. Sex drive. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I just remember people. You know, you got you shouldn't listen to those bands. That those guys are the devil. They're they say, they're satanic. It's like no, it's it. They're wasp. Yeah, Ice Earth right. is begging for someone to pick at their show. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. I mean, that's kind of the, the whole theme for this entire month for the albums. Is that that I would say that universally, I think that they're a little off putting. Right. Yeah. A little I bit. mean, they're dark. They're they're moody. Sure. They have kind of that like connection to. Uh, a, a darker soul or spirit or something like that. Um, you know, at least we're, that's what we tried for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, that, I think though, they have their, I yeah, agree. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, I think they all, uh, in, in, in very different ways too. I think we, uh, actually, I, I like the three we picked, but so, so with this too, like that, like I immediately thought that this band was from Sweden. And I mean, that is, is a, actually like a compliment because if you told me they're from Florida, I'm like, seriously, you just Florida. don't think of this type of music from like Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just—it just. It just the weird thing is, fit. you do. There's a huge death metal scene in Tampa and in Florida in general. Yeah, that's true. Oh, oh, really? Okay. Well, oh, yeah. uh, uh, I, I did not know that. Uh, but, but it might be because you don't uh, listen to a lot of death metal. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it does. If you're in Tampa, you are thinking of death, so that's fine. But well, the, if it makes but any, going, <laughs> if it makes any but, difference or if it helps you in any way, John Schaefer was actually born in Indiana. If you're in yeah, Tampa, I, I know. you move there because you're about to die. <laughs> You've given up on life. It's a retirement. It's, the whole state is where fucking old white people go to die. Why don't we get into the actual record here? We've avoided sure. it long enough. Uh, um, it opens up, Gene, with the title track, Burn Offerings. Yes, it does. So immediately you're, you're greeted with the... Um, a, a sound clip from Bram Stoker's Dr- Dracula. That's that yep. uh, piano intro that kind of is reminiscent of the movie Halloween. Yes, it has that Halloween piano, and then um, eventually the, uh, the uh, that sound clip from uh, Bram Stoker. Bram. Oh, okay. It's Bram Stoker's after that. Dracula comes in. Yep, and says it says that, and then as soon as the uh, that is, it says, "I was betrayed. Look what your God has done to me." And then immediately this the the album kicks in. You know, the music kicks in after that. So it's it's really a cool kind of mood setting. Here's what you're in for for this album type of piece. Uh, the then the intro of the song. For for me, um, again, this is the first time I'm hearing the band ever, and now I I like I love the fact that pretty much from the very first two notes, I understood why you picked this record. It because it it does have that that piano intro that is very reminiscent of that Halloween movie, like. Doo, 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 doo. And you know, it actually kind of reminded me. We we compared them to Megadeth earlier, uh, the beginning of the the first Megadeth oh, record, uh, yeah. if you think about it. But uh, my notes in this song it was like the music at times kind of reminded me of Maiden, but at other times, believe it or not, Overkill. Now I'm not an expert on Overkill, but oh. there was a couple things that kind of brought me in that. And I started like wondering like who this voice is. It sounds like something, and I think it's a combination of Jeff Tate. And Peter Steele, and I'm talking about his main singing voice, not his like voice. Uh, but there's also a couple times that I'll get into as we go here, where he actually pulls out a little bit of Rob Halford out of his ass. I I, I do have to say that that this is I can't think of a band of, of this time 
that did the flipping of the vocal styles like this. Like now it's kind of typical where you do sure. the, let's call it clean vocals. Then you do the, you know, screamo or whatever you want to call those different That's a good sections. point. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure where I, when I first would have heard that, but I, I it sure feels like it would have been later. Yeah. yeah I remember uh, I mean, well, Slipknot, Corey Taylor did that a lot on that first album, which yeah, was, that was 99. 90, 90 right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And then it really, you know, from Five Finger Death Punch and through the 2000s, wherever you want to say it, but that was not commonplace um, in the early 90s. Yeah, uh, John Schaefer does do a lot of lot of vocal gymnastics on this album. And John Schaefer? I'm sorry, not John Schaefer. Uh, Matthew Barlow. Okay. No, no. Uh, were there previous records the same style where it's like the... Or was it... Uh... <laughs> There's a, a little bit of that, but it wasn't to this degree. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, they, yeah, um, they've worked with other uh, good vocalists, but uh, Barlow was the one that really became the fan favorite with well, this album and beyond. I ask because, you know, this is clearly, creatively, the guitarist John Schaefer's vision. Yes. What, was that always kind of vocally, like he was that inf- heavy and picking like that kind of style of vocalist too? Yeah, in a way. Yeah. You know, like I said, he worked with Ripper, and he t- actually told Ripper when he got Ripper into the band that, the, every time he writes music, the Ripper's voice is what he was seeking for for what he was writing. Did he say this yeah. before or after Ripper was in the band? Because after. I got to believe in 1995, he didn't know who. Well, wait, Ripper was in Priest in that time, wasn't he? Basically, he, Ripper he was in Judas Priest in 95, right? Or am I wrong there? No, I think you're right. Loose. But you don't understand, Baco, uh, Ripper was huge in Tampa. <laughs> uh, where is Ripper from? Canton? Cleveland, something he's like gotta, that. He's got. He's got to be from Tampa. No, no, he's from Ohio. Yeah, he's an Ohio All guy. Right. All right, fair enough. It was that was my second guess. <laughs> it's usually how it goes. Uh, this guy is either from Tampa or Cleveland. <laughs> uh, because he sucks. That's suck one and suck two. But no, I mean this. This song is. Uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I mean, the, I like the whole narrative of it, where it follows the, uh, you know, the the whole pursuit of, of Scrat the squirrel chasing an acorn, which uh, ends up creating the ice age, and has the uh, the mammoth that's voiced by Ray Romano. What say you? <laughs> oh God, where did the sloth come in? He's the only one who actually did a voice. Well, sure, yeah, sloth is there. Sid the sloth. Uh, talk Shit the sloth. You shot. <laughs> So, yeah, I just like how it sets up the album. I'm like, what's the next story? Actually, you know what? Iced Earth does sound like a band that would be the soundtrack for Ice Age. <laughs> that's, actually the, that's actually the, the outro credits in the first, first movie. <laughs> um, those are my thoughts. Okay. I'm not sure if uh, Gene wants to add to it, if we want to move forward to the next uh, next track. or how, how do you want to break this down, Gene? Well, I've got a few things on here. I just uh, a Please. few comments that I have is uh, the operatic enhancements. I thought were pretty cool. I like uh, Barlow's angry vocals and his pretty vocals. Um, and and much like a lot of uh, Ice Earth fans, he's also my preferred uh, vocalist. I, I found the bridge to be awesome. Uh, there's there's a lot of awesome to this song. Uh, the, I like the way they layered vocals. I think there was a lot of creativity in that. It wasn't just we're gonna. They thought this through, I felt, or at least Barlow did, or not Barlow, I'm sorry, but Schaefer, because obviously this is Schaefer's baby, and he was really driving this thing. Even though there were there was difficulty going on with the radio or the uh, record label at the time, uh, there a lot of struggles, and uh, he he felt like that kind of influenced this album and uh, made it feel dark, and he kind of actually didn't like that. So when he 
when he did remaster it, he fixed quote unquote some things, a la a Dave Mustaine. Uh, but I personally, I, I don't. I, There's a lot of Mustaine references going, like <laughs> comparisons that I think are legit. By the way, yeah. And uh, the song is a, uh, is a statement regarding Schaefer's feelings toward the problems that band was facing regarding the music industry as a whole. Uh, I feel he's uh, approaching it more so as a sacrifice to a higher power with warnings to traitors, thieves, and liars. So um, I don't know if you guys gave any ratings to any of the stuff that we're, we're talking about, but this one for me was a pretty pretty solid 10 out of 10. I think we cracked the code, though. John yeah. Schaefer is Mustaine's idiot stepbrother. <laughs> But you got to understand that most explains that he stole the title Dystopia from the 2011 album. He stole it right from his, his idiot brother. Yeah, stepbrother. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right you here. Know what? I would, I, as well, far as this record, I, I, th- I don't know. I don't know. How, I don't know how to rate it. Um, it, 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 it almost seems mean because I don't know the, 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 this band that well, but well, I like the song. Are, we just, are you saying 10 out of 10 for the whole album, Gene, or just no, the, the first the, track? The, the song. Okay, that's what I thought. So it's so continued. I'm sorry, Baco. No, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's all good. Okay. I guess I'd put this at a 7 or, seven or 8 in the context. Um, I, I don't know that this is a band I'll ever go back to a lot, but I enjoyed the record, and I think this song is a strong song to open up with. Yeah, it's very ambitious. I mean, it's no ladies in waiting, but it's it's definitely got it's got uh, written pretty well. It's more of a uh, two timer. <laughs> That's for the Kiss fans. <laughs> Again, we're reuniting. We're putting the two worlds of Kiss and Ice Earth together. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's, it's, it's we're we're like a bridge. Oh man, wait till we hit the Kiss album on Three Hits from Hell, people. Ooh, yeah, that scary one. There's a tease. <laughs> Asylum. That's the scary one. Yeah, that's the one that scares me the most. <laughs> but Jane, if I could just ask real quick, though, as a as a courtesy, you know, um, time is valuable. We don't have that much of it. Are you regretting your your decision to join us tonight? Absolutely not. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, it's always enjoyable hanging with you guys. All right, so that song was a pretty long song. We're talking seven minutes twenty two seconds seconds for that one. Sexons. Two sexons. Yeah, there's a Freudian slip well, for you. I, I'll tell you what. After this next beer, I'm gonna definitely be saying sexons the rest of the night. Oh night. god. All right, so our next one we're going. Hey, before on. we get into the next one, do we want to talk about what we're all drinking? Uh, sure. I'm drinking a asshole beer tonight. It is an American Pale Ale by Odell Brewery, and it is called Drumroll. Ooh, nice! I think you've had that on the show before, uh, Gene. I have. What, what do you what do you want to tell listeners what you're enjoying? Uh, currently, I'm enjoying a an Oktoberfest from Polliner, a, right. a, a traditional Oktoberfest, a Marzen. And I'm drinking Excellent. Loose Cannon's Premium Grain Belt that he didn't drink when Gene bought us a beer for the Bias Beer campaign. Ooh, good, good, yes. So now we're, know that, we're all even now. Did you know that Oktoberfest is not actually celebrated in October? It's because of the pagan calendar. In the words of Ron Keel, Cobras and Fire is an informative show. Thank you for that, Loose Cannon. All right, Gene, what's up? Track two. Track two, last December.
Clocks in at 3.23, so uh, a little bit more bite size for you there, Loose. Uh, fun size. Fun size, there you go, For just for Loose. Loose, are you familiar with the Romeo and Juliet saga? Well, sure, yeah, it's about a chick and a dude, and then uh, problems happen. There you go. It's <laughs> the Cliff Nose version. Uh, so it's yeah, it's a, just a good old-fashioned... They banged! If we, can't, if we can't be together, then we're just going to die together type of right. song. Uh, another one with great, a, a cool intro without the dramatics... And more great vocal work by Barlow. I gave this one an eight. Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, last December, I, I, I actually enjoyed this one a lot, too. And um, I just like the fact that it, it told the whole struggle, the conflict between the uh, heat miser and the cold miser um, in the fight. And uh, I believe the original title was uh, The Year Without Christmas. <laughs> Working titles. Working title. Yeah. Uh... I like the song too. I, I, you know what? Again, I, I have to frame all my ratings if you want to do this for 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 this this record, Gene, in the context of like not knowing the band that well. As far as this record, I, I'd put this at an eight. Oh, nice. I, I do like the way it opens up with kind of like a. Again, this is that kind of Queensrÿche thing I was talking about, where it has almost like a, it almost sounds a bit like a like Queensrÿche's idiot stepbrother plays. <laughs> Hey, man, do you touch my drum set? Nope. I know you touched my drum set, and I want to hear that dirty little mouth admit it. Where are you going? I'm going upstairs. Because I'm going to put my nuts hat on your drum set. I think uh, his version was loud. Listen. Is this a concept record, Gene? I definitely think it is from all, everything I've said so far. I, I would call it a kind of a concept light. It's like uh, Satan and Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, <laughs> that that yeah, old tripe, the, the, trope. Devils. That's where the term "devils three way" came from. That's right. Was uh, burnt offerings. Mm-hmm. All right, you gotta you gotta hit me with that one. That was right. awesome. <laughs> devils three way. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Let's let's move into the next uh, chapter here. Please. What do we got, Gene? Please. Track three. Track three. Diary.
uh, lyrics by Barlow, music by Abel, Schaefer, and Shaver. This one clocks in at 614, so we're heading a little bit deeper. Um, now, lyrically, I'm not sure, but I think this is based on the Dracula character. So kind of very fitting with our theme here. Uh, and th- I kind of feel it could, if it is, it's a prequel to the song uh, on Horror Show. They covered uh, various horror concepts on an album, which was a concept album um, called Horror Show. And they have a song called Dracula. Nice. Um, but that one was written solely by Schaefer. And uh, even though he grew to hate the idea, since it was his idea, he did hate the whole concept album based on monsters and characters from horror themes. So after he decided to partake in this and he announced he was going to do it, he eventually grew to hate it. He still put the album out, um, and some people really like it. For me, it's a, it's an okay album. I don't revisit that one a whole lot. Um, but I feel this song could fit on that album, but it's it's a perfect fit for this album as well. Um, the effect on the guitar number one is pleasing as hell. Couples well with everything that's on the first verse. Uh, the song takes a turn as it, as it progresses with John's uh, tripl- trademark triplet-based riffing slamming the song forward. Uh, when the bridge kicks in, at the more so at the 336 mark, I feel there's some Iron Maiden influences. You had mentioned Iron Maiden, or one yeah. of you guys mentioned Iron Maiden. Um, they get that That was lot, me. Actually. That was Baco. That was me. Um, and some people would call him an <laughs> American Iron Maiden. I feel that's a, a very... I think that's being very gracious, or you know, you're giving a lot of more credit. Yeah, because we all know Baron Cross is the American Iron Maiden. (laughs) Mm. Well, not as strong as the title track. It's still a pretty sweet song. I give this another eight out of ten. Nice, Baco. I think it's a a very thrashy kind of uh, tune. Um, Yes, this is actually one of my favorite songs on here too. So I guess I'm gonna kind of, I don't know, I'm gonna keep it short. I, I would give it if. Keeping up with your theme here, I would also give it an 8 out of a 10. What say you, Loose Cannon? I like it because it reminds me of the entry I put in on uh, June 1st, 1987 in my diary, which was jerked off in a sock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every day of my diary says that. Well, definitely in 1986, according uh, to that episode. Well, it's 95, but... Uh, oh, oh but No, anyway... You are uh, way older than you think than you claim on the show. By the way, just for the listeners know, he just copped to being like a chronic masturbator in '86. No, '87. Yeah, what's wrong with that? It's never wrong, Lucy. It's just I mean, a natural you, act looking, that you know, there's, should all there's the, uh, embrace no, you know, self love. You know the whole calendar where it's year of the tiger, year of the cobra. That was year of the sock. Year of the sock. Embrace it. Mm-hmm. We are all masturbators. I gotta tell you though. I like the juxtaposition of a very well thought out descriptive, uh, uh, you know, uh, summation of a song followed by that. <laughs> Thank you, Gene, for bringing the intelligence to the show, and I and uh, and for us bringing it de- bringing the uh, the bell curve down. Yeah, I, I, sh- I should say this because we're gonna get this for the next uh, t- two albums too. Uh, uh, every like Gene has like this whole perfectly mapped out like th- this note thing that every sure. time we interject, we just throw him off his game. Uh, and uh, it- he's a good sport, but it- it's actually kind of fun to witness. Uh, I'm, I'm probably sure gonna, in person. I'm gonna start Facebook Facebook Live it here right in a second. I-, I would like to see the blinking eyes of Gene just thinking of how he's gonna stab. Me virtually, <laughs> and you, and you actually, literally, <laughs> and it, it'd be good to see if there's a, a he does cop, have a like, knife in his boot. Yeah, man stabbed in basement in uh, Saint Paul <laughs> by a uh, famous uh, lead singer of Mortificator. <laughs> 
Moving forward, what's up next, Gene? Brainwashed. This ah, is uh, that sum that summarizes uh, Baco with a kiss through the eighties. Clocks in at 522. So John Shaver is no stranger stranger to or, anti-organized religion themes in his lyrics, and I'm surprised that this one, that this it takes this many songs into the album to cover the subject. The song is seemingly harmless introduction, then it pummels its way forward with great layers that adds dimension to the track. Something that Schaefer has been doing masterfully through this release. And here's some lyrics I wanted to quote. Christ, it's nothing personal. You've got to see. They twist and turn your words for their own needs. They're brainwashed puppets, the almighty crutch, cowards of reality, and their dying love. Sounds like a lot of what we still have going on today, and then some. All I know is that I like this song better the first time I heard it when it was called The Ballad of John and Yoko. <laughs> uh, Christ, yeah. you know it ain't easy. And and uh, them uh, did, was the original cover for this just uh, two nude people on the uh, cover <laughs> with uh, very uh, unshaven pubes. Uh, unshaven pubes would have been a good album title too. <laughs> <laughs> Frozen unshaven pubes. Oh man! But um, I will say I love any kind of song that speaks out uh, against the church because uh, I dig it. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. Fuck the church. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I actually think things pick up here. This is uh, probably a 9 out of a 10 for me. Uh, the guitar solo, I think, at the beginning there is really cool. Uh, the, the kind of, I don't know, it's just got a weird vibe to it. It, 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 it. It's almost like happy in a creepy way. So kudos. Yeah, I, I actually I actually want to add to that, too. This is actually the first boner on the album for me. Okay. The pure boner, not not a happy. See, the oh, first song that Loose Cannon actually likes. You haven't rated any of them for Gene. Uh, I haven't. I haven't. Because they're... they're you want to give uh, a lot you want to go more. like uh, each song instead of like the we'll do the whatever out of ten and you can go you know flaccid uh, quarter chub half chub three quarter chub boner or Mount Rushmore. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I, yeah, I don't know gay slang. What's what is that? <laughs> There's I think it's jeans for a singer. Did you did we lose loose again? We didn't hurt his feeling, did we? Of course, his ah. feeling. Can you hear me? There, there you are. are. All right. No, I'm saying I, I, I was actually laughing very hard about that, and I disconnected the back of my mic. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, 
All right. Well, you're back. Uh, let's get back to the record. Uh, Please. That. Next up, we got Burning Oasis. by Schaefer, music by Abel Schaefer and Shaver. Six-minute track. Another this one. one opens up with the Halford scream that I was talking about earlier. I mean, it very much is that, Wah! I don't know. Yeah, and it's got a great intro. This album is full of this. I mean, I mean, I've said, I think it for every one of these, I've said that. And this is, no, this is nothing different. It's another great intro. Another tale regarding Christianity in regards to the uh, Adam and Eve and the fall of Eden. Uh, the final bridge, or at least that's what I'm calling it, with the almost falsetto slash operatic vocals of Barlow wrapping up the song, make um, yeah add another interesting layer to the track and push it up another point for me. This one, when it was all said and done, I, I had given an eight. Yeah. Um, my notes here were just mainly about that Halford scream. Uh, I, I think the song, um, I don't know, it... it, it this is kind of where I'm starting to get the idea that we're getting into kind of a concept theme throughout the record. Uh, at least I'm with Lewis. I actually think it is a, a, a meant to be a concept record, but maybe not in the sense that it's telling a story, but more conceptually it sticks to a theme throughout. Luce? Yeah, th- this song is, is okay for me, um, but I, I just think it's interesting that as a side note that uh, – uh, Burning Oasis is what Liam Gallagher called his uh, outbreak of syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what else? What else we got here, man? Half chub. <laughs> <laughs> That's my rating. She came out of nowhere. Paco's <laughs> <laughs> gonna need a minute. <laughs> oh, let's go. Um, let, can, can I introduce the next song, Gene? Please. Uh, the next song is called Creative Failure, which defines my life. Now covers 
Greater failure. 602. Uh, Schaefer uh, is the lyricist. Uh, music by Abel, Schaefer, and Shaver. This seems like a cheap shot at God. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Greater failure. Uh, a subtle intro, but after roughly 30 seconds, song kicks up a bit before slowing down with the lyrics, uh, bringing in lyrics. Uh, another song with many layers and a lot of creativity going on. And just before the four-minute mark, the song takes another interesting turn for the bridge. Lovely layers, intriguing throughout. Uh, lyrically sounds like a song written by Robert E. Howard, who gave us call, Solomon Kane, and of course, more importantly, Conan the Barbarian. And plus there's Virgin Sacrifice. So, you know, it's a, it's a great song. So 9 out of 10 for me. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where I put it on the scale. Maybe a 7 or 8. This also has, like, uh, towards the end, that another one of those brilliant Halford screams. This guy is uh, an amazing singer, considering I've never heard of him. Yeah, you know, if I'm not mistaken, he took singing lessons after he recorded this album. <laughs> that's, that's something <laughs> you tell people at parties, okay? <laughs> like, uh, I heard myself on rec- record and said, I need to take some lessons. <laughs> no, I think it was just, you know, now that he was a part of this band, he needed to learn how to... Uh, to handle his instrument so he could tour it okay. and not kill himself on tour and be able to, to tour us extensively. Well, after five records, Kerry King took guitar lessons. <laughs> True story. Loose Cannon. I'm done. Next song? Next song, The Pure Spirit. So we got a little musical interlude here. Uh, clock's in a minute 54. Now, this one um, was lyrics by Schaefer, but he didn't actually write any piece of the music on this one. This was Abel, Abel and uh, Shaver. Uh, so it huge, takes this huge left turn with this track, uh, musically of course. There's a mellow acoustic guitar accompanied by a piano with some stringed instruments. It's a, As a standalone track, it's not strong, but in the context of this album, it's great. Uh, short but sweet, a palate cleanser for what's to come. And uh, again, an interesting note that Schaefer doesn't have a music writing credit on this track. And uh, I really dig it. it. Even if it comes up on random play on my uh, MP3 player, I, I still enjoy the track. I gave it a nine. Yeah, uh, nice. I think this might be Lewis Cannon's favorite song at a minute 54. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I enjoyed I this it. a lot. It is kind of basically just a lead into a super ass long song. Um, uh, it's just moody. It's dark. It, uh, it, it just got a lot of kind of like, it just really fits the record. It is the perfect segue between, you know, uh, it is a perfect segue between, uh, creator failure and Dante's Inferno, which is coming up next. Lewis, you got any thoughts on this little two minute jaunt? No, I mean, it's kind of like the old Black Sabbath albums back in the day where they had all this little, uh, segues or intros to to other songs, yeah. and um, I also think it's kind of cool that that uh, I'm not sure if you know this, but the pure spirit is actually what Fred Durst calls his cock ring. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're getting to the last song on the record. Uh, it is, of course, a brief one, right, uh, Gene? Uh, <laughs> yeah, like "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner" was a brief track for Iron Maiden. Yeah, no shit. This, this is basically an EP. This one song. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, Gene, please break down. Dante's Inferno. 
All right, Dante's Inferno. We got 16, oh, a 16 and a half minute song, lyrics by Schaefer, music by Schaefer. So this is all John Schaefer's. This is his baby. Uh, it's the opus, Dante's Inferno. It's based on the Inferno segment of Dante's Allegri's. Uh, how do you say that? Allegri's. I think it's Allegri. Dante Alighieri's epic poem, The Divine Loose, Loose Comedy. is the brains of the show, though. Yeah, Is it Opus or Bloom County? <laughs> Jesus. You just realized you called him the brains of the show. Oh, God. And that's what you got. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, The Divine Comedy <laughs> is a long Italian narrative, Italian narrative poem by Dante Alighieri. Uh, from, he began it in... 1308, and he completed it in 1320, which was a year before his death in 1321. Took him 12 fucking years to write a poem? Jesus Christ. I can bust out a limerick in 10 seconds. What do you got? I want to hear it. Well, it always involves Nantucket. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All the good ones do. Oh, God. (laughs) And an ear. It's got Nantucket uh, in the ear. Go ahead, please, Gene. Continue. What would you do to that ear? <laughs> I don't know. It depends what it was. I'd light it on fire and kill a cat. <laughs> Morris. All right. Back to back to our esteemed guest, Gene Vogel, half chub. Who's looking at his watch right now? <laughs> He's like, I got two more records to do. <laughs> Dude, I just spit in the floor. Uh, and mine's not disposable like yours is. Uh. <laughs> I didn't buy my floor with two 20s. Is it easy to clean at least? <laughs> yeah, throw it out the window. <laughs> no, I mean yours. Uh, Well, I'll, I'll, I'll find out. Go ahead. So the poem's imaginative version, uh, <laughs> goddamn you! The poem's imaginative vision of the afterlife is represented in the medieval worldview as it has developed in the Western Church by the 14th century. It is divided into three parts: Inferno, Purgatorio, and Paradiso. But again, Schaefer focuses only on the Inferno portion of the poem. So the, the narrative describes Dante's travels through hell, purgatory, and paradise or heaven, while allegorically the poem represents the soul's journey towards God. Dante draws on medieval Christian theology and philosophy. <laughs> Let me do that again. Dante draws on medieval Christian theology and philosophy. Dante draws on medieval Christian theology and philosophy. God damn philosophy, it. Philosophy, you idiot. Jesus Christ! I know, no shit. Uh, get your head out of your ass. <laughs> Come on, Gene. Half chub. <laughs> <laughs> so Dante draws on medieval Christian theology and philosophy, especially hey. Thomistic philosophy derived from the Summa Theolo- Theologica of Thomas Aquinas. So there are hey. three movements to this song as follows. One is denial, lust, and greed. The second part is pro- the prodigal, the wrathful, and Medusa. And the third is the false witness, angel of light. So my notes are there's another uh, great track with a great mood-setting intro. Well, it is a pretty long song, there's a lot going on, and it does not become boring for me or drone 
on or become stagnant. Schaefer is a really good imaginative songwriter on these early Iced Earth albums, something that I feel he doesn't get recognized for and something that I feel he gets that he's lost along the way after writing the uh, Something This Way Wicked, something wicked this way comes albums. Um, I gave this one a nine out of ten. I uh, I thought your rhyme of the ancient mariner comparison was pretty apt. Um, I, I agree. I, I think that this song flows good, this, but this is not a song you're going to listen to by itself. To me, this whole record, uh, one of the best things I can say about it is that like if 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 you're going to listen to this, you want to listen to it. From beginning to end, it is an album. Well, how else can you do it? How yeah, else can you listen to a exactly, song? You're not going to cherry pick hit songs off this fucking thing, but it definitely flows. And this is a great ending. I know it's fucking 17 minutes long, and that's really difficult for someone like Loose Cannon. But uh, I was okay with it. I can just summarize my thoughts this way, and that is that I am shocked that Peter, Paul, and Mary have not sued them because this is clearly a rewrite of Puff the Magic Dragon. Thank you. <laughs> So right? I had the balls to say it. I mean, it's about time. All right, so that brings us to the end of uh, the first uh, record we're doing on Three Hits from Hell, Iced Earth, Burnt Offerings. Gene, why don't you kind of give an overall synopsis of the, uh, of the record uh, and any other thoughts you have? Well, I think I mentioned it before in the previous in my notes for the previous song, but I feel that Schaefer doesn't get a, uh, enough credit for his, song as, his work as a songwriter and he's a phenomenal rhythm guitar player, and that's that's present throughout this whole album. There's a lot of good work on this whole album. The lead guitar playing, you mentioned a song, one of the songs, but there's so much good stuff going on here um, with the lead guitar playing. Uh, Barlow does such a phenomenal job singing on this one, uh, especially coming into an established band and winning the fan base over with his skill and his charisma as a front man. Uh, uh, he would later leave the band after the attacks of September 11th, and he to offer himself to public service, he became a police officer because he felt like he needed to do something for the community. Okay. And so he eventually did get out of the out of music for a while. How'd that go for him? He would eventually uh, do some work with other bands like Pyramaze, and uh, I think there was another one, if I'm not mistaken. What you're saying is he sucked as a cop. I did not say that. Okay. So he would rejoin the band later in 2008, though, uh, to record the Crucible of Man the Crucible of Man, Something Wicked Part 2, which was a continuance of the Something Wicked storyline presented in 1998. Um, there's a few ratings I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, All Music gave this a 4 out of 5 stars. Metal Storm gives it a 10 out of 10. Um, my notes, I gave this a roughly, uh, if you took all my numbers and kind of uh, came up with an average, I got close to a 9, so I would give this a 9 out of 10. I'm happy to say that uh, you picked a record that... Uh Definitely fit what we were looking for here. Uh, it's definitely spooky. It's got a lot of mood to it. It's it's got some anger. Um, and it's definitely a dark fucking record. Uh, I I'm not gonna lie. I don't know that I'm gonna go back to this a lot, but I did enjoy it as an overall first time listen, and it uh, it gave me a little more respect for for the band that that I've never really paid much attention to. So uh, thanks for bringing at least that part of it to me. And uh, I really don't have much else to add to it, Loose. Yeah, I mean, the what I would say, and we've been busting your balls the entire time as, as we do, just to have fun. But in all honesty, <clears throat> while this is not my cup of tea, uh, I do respect the fact that it is extremely adventurous. And like I talked about with all the different vocal stylings through it, through, throughout the entire album, uh, I definitely think that it was ahead of its time, too. 
And I would say if I was going to kind of uh, describe this as somebody that did, was not aware of Iced Earth, I remember going to a Queen Shrike concert uh, when they did Operation Mindcrime 2, which was the first half they did Operation Mindcrime. And I left because they started the second part. But the point is, is that the, the what I noticed is that I saw a lot of Dream Theater t-shirts and Iced Earth t-shirts as well. So that's how I would compare it to is it's kind of one of those bands that, yeah, they have long songs. Yeah, they're adventurous. Yeah, they're, they're um, um, kind of like, like that. that. But, that, but if, if you, you like, like if you like, like Queen Trike and, and Dream Theater, would you say maybe, Gene, that you might like this band, even though they're more evil? No? I don't know if they're as progressive as as well. I don't. Know, I guess maybe Queen. They're definitely progressive, progressive to me. At least yeah, this record is. It's progressive light, I guess. You know, when mm. you're talking Dream Theater, I tend to go more towards you know the heavier uh, end of progressive. Okay. Wow. So I guess if you want to put light, uh, Iced Earth on the uh, opposite side of the progressive spectrum. To uh, uh, I mean, not completely polar opposite, but just you know, if you're thinking heavy to light, or you know, no boner to full chub. Sure. Then, you know, maybe Iced Earth is, is uh, a little bit more towards the blue ball side where uh, D- Dream Theater would be more, uh, what do you call it, Mount Rushmore? I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> yeah. I'll look that up later. Well, no, it was, it was Old Faithful because it's spraying everywhere. Oh, fa- well, yeah, you, then you missed your own joke. But, uh, well, we're basically all done here with Iced Earth uh, Burnt Offerings. Uh, first off, Gene, of course, thank you for thank you for coming back on the show, and thanks for uh, kind of exposing us and probably most of our audience <laughs> to a record uh, that is definitely creepy and spooky. I want to make sure we do this at the end of each one of these episodes. Uh, and a reminder to the listener: we have two we have two more coming up, uh, the, the three hits from Hell ep- uh, series. But on e- every one of these records, we're going to end it with this. What song are you making love to off this album? <laughs> Pure Spirit. Oh, damn. Well, it's short, so I, I want to finish before it finishes. <laughs> which one did you which one did you say? Pierced Spirit. Mm, okay. I'm I'm definitely going Dante's Inferno because uh, you know, I like to to do the sting thing. Ooh, nice. So he's uh ta- he's going tantric. tantric. I'm going to just go one that uh, kind of describes basically uh, how it goes for me: creator failure. <laughs> oh man, are you guys ready to get out of here? I am. Um, Rock's not dead. But the last song is 17 minutes. Yeah.
Yeah, he took off. I think uh, he's freaked out. He put his pants on. He left. (laughs) (laughs) There's our Easter egg. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 